I just don't understand. What is your problem? Like for real? Like Girl, what's your problem? Where are you I don't going? No, but what's your problem? Well, where are you I don't going? understand what, well, what Where are you going?
All right, your boy Sinister the one broadcasting live from the City of Champions. You are listening to the booth and watching the booth here on YouTube.com. Make sure you hit the subscribe button and check us out. If you're looking over to my left, you see my guy, Rick Pease. You want to introduce yourself, Rick Pease? Let them know where they can catch you. Hey, what's going on, man? This is Rico the Terrible of HatchetRadio.net. You can catch me on Rick the Terrible on Facebook Gaming as well as HatchetRadio.net and the Hatchet Radio Network and Hatchet Radio Gaming. And we've got a special exclusive guest, and I would tell you to look down below to see our beautiful guest on the air tonight. But unfortunately, this person is coming on. There's there's some legal stuff behind this show. So as you can see, that we've got her image protected tonight um, for secrecy, and her voice will also be dubbed uh, to protect her. Uh, But this is in correlation to a humongous story that has been developing over a performer, big, 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 well-known performer. Um, people who know me, I've played a lot of his music in DJ sets and things of that sort. Uh, but the artist's name is Marilyn Manson. Uh, most of the people who knew him personally knew him as Brian U. Warner. And for those of you who just woke up under a rock, it isn't the kid from friggin' Tool Time and the TV sitcom, because a lot of people were trying to say that that kid was Marilyn Manson. No. Uh, I heard the not. I heard the Wonder Years, too. Yeah, Wonder that was years. the other one, yeah. too. The kid, Paul, yeah. Paul from the Wonder Years had a rib removed. Fred that was Savage's uh, best friend. Yeah, all that crazy trash. But he was an extra on 21 Jump Street. He was. Oh, uh, he was an extra on 21 Jump Street. He was. Wow. So that, that so the words you're hearing, the voice you're hearing is our exclusive guest and our voice is covered. So her name to us is going to be Penny Lane. That is her name with, with us on this show from here on out. The reason why she's coming on this show is because, as I just mentioned, that Marilyn Manson was levied with a humongous accusation. Evan Rachel Wood, who you guys know from Westwood and Frozen and Frozen 2, uh, she came out this week, this past week, and leveled about this whole relationship that her and him entered at the age of, she was 17, and he was like, I think he was like 38, and they would... They Actually, would... if I can interject for a minute. Mm-hmm. So, Miss Rachel Wood has been speaking out, but hadn't named her accuser for about the last two years. She testified in front of Congress to pass the Phoenix Act, I was actually in the process of driving cross country for a gig I was doing and had to pull over the car because her story is eerily similar to mine. And I literally had to pull over the car and stop and take a moment because I knew when she was speaking who she was speaking of. And And so, yeah. The scary thing about this is, is that the person, you know, it's. It seems like this may be even an M.O. of this person to do the things that he does. So if you guys have been sleeping in the rock, we are talking about Marilyn Manson. And this story has broke, and it's, it's, it hasn't slowed down. It hasn't slowed down at all. Wes Borland, who you guys know from Limp Bizkit, he had actually left Limp Bizkit. He's the guitarist from Limp Bizkit. He left in 2008 and joined Marilyn Manson's band and tour. Uh, they had an actual falling out. And 2010, he left that that band, and he went right back to Limp Biscuit. But Wes Bowling came out the, earlier this week. He had nothing nice, nothing nice. Yeah, to say and he actually joined. He actually joined to replace a person who Manson himself had physically abused, and the person had had enough and walked off. Like 
there's a long history. Manson, for years, has told the public and shown the public exactly who he is. And like my PTSD counselor told me, because yes, I've been in therapy for this. Um, my abuse counselor told me when people show you who they are, when they tell you who you are, you have to believe them. We believe victims. And and when he's throwing these big tantrums on stage, been so high and drunk he couldn't pull his pants up, had to be carried off, had to be given oxygen, physically abused band members. John Stewart used to have a music show. It lasted one episode. And I don't even know if that episode aired. You can look this up online. Manson literally got mad at him and set fire to his whole soundstage. Manson has shown you who he is over the years, guys. He really has. Craziness, and on wow. top of on top of this West Borland story, um, two hours before we started to do this show, two hours. Trent Reznor has issued a statement, and they were good buddies. They were good friends. Um, um, you know, they actually have been falling out for years. Mm-hmm. They had recently reconciled, um, and actually, I had been telling um, the other co-host for years about the debauchery. And- Stage and studio at home, kind of a combination. And now Lesnar is trying to save his behind, and I won't speak on that, but I will say that he was definitely part of the debauchery. There was a book written, Passages from the Long Hard Road Out of Hell. Those passages have been to circulate on Twitter. Wood has been mentioning this. Uh, The book is co authored with Neil Strauss. And um, it's crazy. I'm going to let Rick get in here, jump in here, and give some of his conversation here while we're while we're on here, as we open I, the show. I, honestly, I, I've been speaking with Penny on a personal basis for over two years now, and just to hear the things that you know have gone on. Now, me personally, I, I am into the BDSM lifestyle, uh, but there's you know, and we've had many many discussions about this. Um, there, there's a certain time place and feeling for certain things and the things that i've heard not only from penny but also from you know reading from the other victims are a no-go in the bedroom not at all you never can especially not in front of other people and when it's not expected and that's what we're talking about here is you know the fact that this is all Always done in a group setting in an unexpected manner with several witnesses that don't want to partake in this these aren't parties these aren't BDSM kink rooms. This isn't like fat life. This is literally Manson will come out and start the debauchery and everybody is expected to play along because he's Manson. And, right. you know, I, I literally shed tears when this story broke because for years I've been sharing my accounts with people closest to me, not publicly. And I always feel like there's this element of, wow, that's a wild story. I wonder if they believe me or not. And now all these things that collaborate or collaborate everything I've said for years are now coming to light. And I finally feel like people know this real person now. Right. Honestly, like, you know, when me and you, when the news broke and, you know, me and you had the discussion, uh, you know, I posted the link, you had a complete and utter meltdown and with all, with all, you know, good reasoning, because, you know, this type of stuff brings up those old feelings and rehashes all of that violent, you know, mistreatment that you had. Well, I'm talking about like a dating relationship. You're talking about Manson and I went back and forth as friends for years. 
And when I'd get in a new partnership and things would fall south, he'd find a way to suck me back in. And this went on um, since 1995 when I was 15 years old. And now I absolutely must state Manson did not seek me out. I was a very obsessed 14-year-old, and we'll get into how that happened in a bit. But I was a very obsessed 14-year-old the first time I heard his music. I traced down his circles. He was playing it. I managed to get close to everybody close to him. I was literally a stalker. I'm not going to deny it. I've grown from that. He did not seek me out. I sought him out. Um, there were not terms like grooming or compliant victim back then. You either slept with a minor or you didn't. Manson did not sleep with me until I was 18. And what's very chilling about it is at one point he had told me when I was about 15 or 16, well, I'm, I can't predict the future. I might hate you at 18. I don't know who you're going to grow into. I'm not going to commit to agreeing to date you because I could hate you. Last year when the Onision story broke and it came out that Onision said to some news source about Sarah, I'm not a fortune teller. We're not dating right now. Who can say what will be in the future? And I broke down in tears and I literally realized that I was groomed. No, and, and it's understandable because those are sociopathic behaviors that most sociopaths mm-hmm. will follow. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Especially narcissistic sociopaths. It's it's just been proven that they'll once one they'll repeat their actions over and over again until they feel that they get it right. Yeah, and then there's also the law of escalating paraphilia. For those that don't know, a paraphilia is any deviant sexual behavior or pattern. It's like serial killers. They don't start out intending to groom and sleeping with someone the second they turn 18. There's someone like me, because I was before Dita, I was before Evan Rachel, I was before all these other people. And um, so with me, it was just starting. I wasn't burned the way Evan Rachel was. I definitely bear cuts and scars all over my body from sexual deviance, but he wasn't to the level that he then got with Dita and then Evan Rachel and who knows who else. Those aren't my stories to tell. Right. But I 100% believe Evan Rachel. My first cell phone was provided by him. And I have certain family members that, you know, witness behaviors. My family and I don't really speak anymore because of Manson, ironically. Um, So I wish some of them were here to speak today and tell what they saw um, and what happened there. He provided my first cell phone and suddenly, kind of like Edward Cullen in Twilight, to make a bad joke, he'd show up wherever I was and rescue me at the last second. Mm, And I always thought it was this romantic thing. But it was really gaining total control, mm-hmm. isolating me from my family. There were orders. When he went on tour and I was left in our townhouse, there were orders for, by the time I had to order a pizza, it had to go through basically six people. Pizza was cold. Couldn't even walk my dog on my own. Had to have someone do that. Thought, okay, this is just rock star life. I'm just a kid. I'm not even 21 at this point. And so I just think this is rock star life. This is the way it is. And this is the downside to having all the cool experiences and memories as opposed to normal life. So this is just the way it is to me. 
And the reality is, it isn't. He was playing that up because I was naive, because I didn't know any better, because I was a quote-unquote commoner. Um, So he played that side up to make sure he had total, 100, absolute control. My mom um, literally used to say, you know, I make all these plans with you, and he knows that, and the second he calls, you go running. It's not even worth making plans with you anymore. So he was literally to the detriment of my home and family life, cutting me off from everybody. And I already didn't have the greatest childhood in a lot of ways to begin with. Um, And so he literally played on that I wouldn't see the difference between healthy and unhealthy. Right. And that's typically what, uh, you know, a sociopath will do is they'll they'll literally put a wedge between you, your friends and your family. And of course, they've got the golden ticket that's going to make you happy. And when you're, they yank that golden ticket away, you're suffering yourself. So you're taking it out on your family, Penny, or, you know, the victims are taking it out or survivors are taking it out on their families as well. Right. Because some of us don't know how to act once we're in a healthy relationship. I will freely admit that I have been in PTSD and CBT and DBT training for years to try to cope with everything I went through. Um, He would repeatedly call me and tell me he was going to kill himself. He'd be driving around, parked outside my work or my house, talking about what random drugs he's doing and how he hopes he quote-unquote effing overdoses because I'm not there to help him anymore. And breaking up my partnerships because that's the other thing. Once you've dated Marilyn Manson, what does a normal everyday person, when you try to have a normal life, think of your relationship? They see this person as this big media sensation that they can't compare to. Mm -hmm. And so you find yourself losing people and you go, well, you know what? Screw it. Everyday people aren't going to date me now. Might as well go back to him. And that's his whole plan all along. Yeah, it's kind of like having somebody in a, you know, like a hand of cards, you know, you don't really want to toss that card away, you know, you you toss away the ones that are, you know, that are faulty, you know, but you're trying to find that perfect deck. And that's what a lot of, uh, of abusers will do, they'll, they'll run the block, basically, you know, and have a, you know, a handful of gals that they're, they're doing this with. And, And it's very unfortunate, because these survivors out there, they're just, you know, they're lost in the sauce and nine out of 10 times, nobody wants to listen to them. Nobody believes them. Oh, no, you never slept with so-and-so. You know, you never did that. Oh, you know, there's no proof. Well, see, and that's the wild part to me. People would come up to me and go, oh, my God, you're so-and-so. You know Marilyn Manson, right? Mm-hmm. And they'd always be like, can I ask you a question? And I'd be like, oh, here we go. Number one, no. No surgeon is going to remove your ribs, especially for that purpose. Number two, <laughs> no, 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 not on the Wonder Years. He was an extra on 21 Jump Street. What else can I help you with? Like, oh, so how much of his book is true? In the beginning of his book, he literally states, if you read the excerpt, and I have a first edition signed by him somewhere around here, um, but if you read the beginning, he says that all the characters are his responsibility and some of them are composites. I am actually built into the character he calls so I'm actually in the book. And he actually acknowledged that when he autographed my first edition copy. Um, and he would be such a dick. He'd get strung out on drugs. He'd run around whatever space I was living, whether it was mine or not. He'd find walls and be like, well, fuck you. Now your wall's worth a million dollars. Shut up about the damages. You know, like all these little things that compile to make this person. Um, and the reality is, the sad fact is, 
he himself was basically abused. He says right in his book that his grandfather was into bestiality and that he didn't bother to hide his own paraphilia. So Manson and his cousin, um, I almost said his cousin's real name for a minute. Um, so Manson and his cousin, yeah, that would have been bad. So Manson and his cousin, from an early age, were exposed to this disgusting behavior. And then where's the outlet? If you haven't grown up as a normal teenage boy being like, ooh, booms, and instead it's, wow, this girl is banging a horse. Where do you go from there? That's already not your garden variety experience. I'm not saying anything that he did is right by any means, but you have to look at what he had to grow up with. Right. And I mean, just being and, and I'll, I'll bring this out, you know, just for my, you know, just for comic relief. But, you know, I mean, just it's just like being a, you know, an average person at first, you know, regular porn, you know, fits you. But then you go start looking at, you know, interracial porn and then you're looking at man, man, woman. And then you're looking at, you know, like the worst things that you could ever possibly see on camera because you're just like. But where do you go when you're 11 years old? And that's the one thing that like uh, NBC had brought up on their newscast was the fact that he'd been telling us this all along, you know, through his music, through his writings, mm -hmm. you know, through his actions on stage and, and in public was that, you know, he's just one screwed up individual. You know, and I try to tell people the same thing. Like, I'm I'm a nice dude, but I'm not that good of a person. You know what I'm well, saying? Well, here's the thing, too. If he were broke, do you think he would have had a chance to abuse me and these other women? No, I would have never met him. No. Exactly. They were kind of shocking, you know, uh, and I, I'm not going to mention where, you know, what they were, but they were kind of shocking because. We can be right. We're not, yeah. we're not showing the photos. He was a Renfair nerd. Yeah. Was, a D&D &D player. Which, yeah. Right. Which, yeah. Yeah. Which I was kind of in shock. I was like, wow, I, I've, I've never, you know, would never have suspected to seeing that side of him. But, you know, at the same time, you know, when you get that stardom and you're immature about it, you tend to form a God complex. And, mm -hmm. you know, like mm -hmm. you're you're the end all be all alpha and omega in your own little universe. And you know, it's funny because he literally called himself Omega and the Mechanical Animals at one point. Yeah, I didn't. Like, like, superstar, who do you think, you know what I mean? Who do you think you are? If, yeah. if you haven't had a chance to develop and grow, learn the value of a dollar, you came from nothing, and then all of a sudden every door in the world is open to you because you're this big shot rock star who's, as he put it, bigger than Satan. 
Absolutely. Right. And, right. and again, mm -hmm. that, that all folds into the narcissism and the sociopathic behavior that he has been displaying over the many, many years. I don't know that it's that. Honestly, I've been with him. So there's a classic story that I usually tell people. Um, we were getting ready to go somewhere. And he was in the bathroom doing his makeup. I was all ready to go. I was sitting there like kind of salty that he took longer than I did to get ready. And um, he says, hey, hey, I'm overdosing. And I almost said my own name for a minute. He said, hey, honey, I'm overdosing. And I was like, what? No, you're not overdosing. And he goes, oh, correction, you're right. He dumps out a big thing of face powder, what I thought was face powder, pours it out, sticks the straw in it, proceeds to snack, you know, snack up half of it. And then says, you know what? Now I'm overdosing. And so, like, I had to get into the hospital. I didn't know if this person I loved was going to live or die. He's laying in the bed. Doctors are in my face. At one point, I had written a book, which, in light of all of this, I will not be releasing because we don't need that. But, um, and there were key family members that since they no longer speak to me, I was having to re-edit you know, parts of the book anyways, because they were unhappy with their portrayals. And uh -oh. <laughs> um, there's a lot to it. But I'm sitting there, and this doctor's in my face screaming at me like I'm the addict. Meanwhile, his PR team is screaming at me that I better not be talking to anybody about it. I literally was not allowed photos. I was not allowed any type of evidence. And you have to remember, the Internet did not really exist back right. then. It was right. in its nope. infancy. So it's like you couldn't just Google and find out who knew who, you had to be verified through different stories. My business partner says that's one of the ways I know you're telling the truth. Because there's a story about how you'll occasionally hear him referred to as by his team, and that's that's actually because of me. I was like, and they call him because he was complaining about everything on the tour rider, and then it kind of stopped. And my friend was like, and that's how I know that you did these things that you say you did, not that I ever doubted you. You're a very honest person, but you've kept yourself so hidden because that's what you've been trained to do. It's really sad. You don't have credit for your resume. And I was like, my resume isn't anything to take credit for. It would be, he would be really nasty to me and we'd get in a fight and then he would do something sus, which I see as sus now, but I didn't back then. Like, hey, I'm playing with this script. Will you read it for me? Boom, now it's on a DVD or a song or whatever. And it's my voice that I didn't agree to and I didn't sign anything on because I oh. thought we were just playtesting a script. You know what I mean? Aspects of my personal life have ended up in music videos. Um, and I think it's because I was the one he could sucker back in for the longest. And so I'm the one that's used to tend to take the most of it. And uh, thank goodness I managed to up my station in life. I have a really good partner. I have a really good home life. Partner understands that this was part of my past life and that this is not an ongoing thing. There are aspects where he still may get involved later, but that it's not something that I'm doing on purpose. I don't know. You know, and when someone's a bigger, like my ex, well then, honey, how did he get your phone number? He's Marilyn Manson. What do you want me to tell you? Right. You think his PR team can't find my number? Right. Now, here's another question, too. How did um, how did Brian handle 
your uh, marriage to your current partner? Um, not very well. He threw a major tantrum. He ended up breaking into my house. Um, and he ended up posing in one of my rooms and posting it to social media. And I think it's since been removed because I was looking for it to make sure if I told the story that it couldn't show up to verify who I am if anyone knows the house. Um, and I have not found it. So I believe his PR team did me a solid and took it down. Um, because I did, I did bring my lawyers in. I do keep a lawyer on retainer and it's because mm-hmm. of Manson. Um, I have to keep lawyers on retainer because I never know when he's going to throw a polypissy pants tantrum and try to take me to court because it's happened. Mm-hmm. Well, this week's about me. You must have talked. I didn't. I haven't talked in 25 years. I'm finally breaking my silence now because I've had enough. I stand with these victims. I do believe he got worse after me. He was bad enough with me. And that's the other thing. I see people going, well, his music is great. I'm not going to stop listening to him. Fine. No one's saying you have to. What you do have to do is believe the victims, and whenever possible, don't let him profit off your love of his art. Yep. Right. Don't like it if you must. I didn't say that out loud. We should probably beat that. But get your stuff from an alternative source. Make sure he himself is not collecting royalties. Cool. Love his art. A lot of people do. He's a great artist. He's a wonderful musician. He's got talent, but he's an abuser, and you have to accept that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and and the, I, well, the crazy thing is, is you can't even bootleg it now because everybody now, when you put your music out there, the codes are embedded in. So you have to do like everybody's doing with R. Kelly. You just pretty much have to not play their music so they don't get that revenue. They don't get those streams, which is why a lot of radio stations and stuff are just pulling the R. Kelly library right from their playlist. Well, I'm, talking like, I'm talking like, by this day and age, if you're a super fan, I mean... Even I have all of his CDs. We, we don't play his stuff in this house. I have alternate versions. I, I have all kinds of cool stuff that he himself gave me. Mm-hmm. But any super fan out there should already have his stuff. Or, better yet, buy it from Loma Vista while they still have it up since they dropped him. Make sure Loma Vista profits because they're going to get hurt for dropping him out of contract. So yeah, absolutely. Vista and make sure they get their money because you know he's going to sue them for breaching his contract. I can predict that ahead of time. I know who he is as a person. 25 years is long enough to know somebody. Give or take. I'm not going to do the exact math because that puts me back in the mindset. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and I'm not going to give anyone an exact time frame because then, obviously, that's identifying. Yeah. But 25 years, give or take. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, like I said, it, it, it's discerning because you hear about this a lot. And there was a lot brought up about um, him being on Epstein's Island. Now, can you confirm nor deny this? I can speak on Epstein Island carefully. So what I can say about Epstein Island is to maintain any facade, whether it's drug running, whether it's bootleg merchandise, or whether it's illegal, you know, what Epstein was doing, which we don't want to say because then we'll get blocked but you have to maintain a certain amount of legitimate business to keep the seating side going what i do know is he visited as an exclusive visitor without being to that side of the island because i know it was divided and i know he was there on vacation with a few others i'm not going to name um who are starting to speak out about him we'll say that so there was a vacation side where the abuse wasn't taking place. All girls, 
Pilgros to be there, but if he didn't know that was going on and was just a visiting guest for vacation, you can't really lump him in with that. Um, I'm all for tearing him down, but for the right reasons. No, you have every absolute reason to tear him down. After all, you're a survivor. He is definitely not a Paletto. Let's say that. No, completely, completely. He's definitely not a Paletto. <laughs> we're, we're just gonna mix up the verbiage so that the algorithm doesn't pick it up. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, so here's another thing too. Um, I know with the the late breaking news and stuff like that, how has this affected you on social media? Um, I have stayed off social media. The number of outpourings from friends and family that I've told stories to for years. Um, well, can you comment on this? Can you comment on that? Nope. And uh, I, I literally was just no Facebook. We're not doing Facebook. We're definitely not doing Instagram, and we're damn sure not doing Twitter right now. No, oh, absolutely. Twitter's a nightmare, anyways. Oh yeah, and I scroll through, <laughs> and I see something that angers me so much. Um. Because I, I I was helping in running some of his pages on different media sites. And to see people just blindly, I stand with Marilyn Manson. Well, buddy, then you're not a fan. You're a fanatic. Because right. uh, there's no denying what he's done for years and years. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and there's, you know, to me, for the for those of you out there who, who are kind of like wanting to shield this, you can't shield this, man. You know, especially with him admitting guilt, you know, on, on the news by simply saying, well, it wasn't the way that, you know, I said, you know, that it's being portrayed. How, how else can you portray? You know, it, it, it was much worse. Yeah. Because the reality is you can never convey the psychological terror, the feeling of your fucking heart dropping in your stomach. When you've gotten rid of this person and here they are at your place of employment and here they are at your mother's house and here they are here here and there so you're right it wasn't portrayed the way it really happened because no. you can't portray terror in words you right. have to feel it now here's another question too now i know a lot of um a lot of people who have uh, these type of, of uh, social disturbances in their head uh they typically like to keep pieces of you know the compartmentalizing, compartmentalizing. Right. Uh, do, would, do you think that there's possibly any video evidence out there of him possibly doing these things that, uh, off of private cameras and that's why the FBI is involved? Um, so let's start with when you say compartmentalizing, let's mm -hmm. start with that. Yes. And the abuse is compartmentalized whenever he is blacked out on drugs. Okay. That's when these mm -hmm. things happen. When he's sober, no, he's a very calm, very intelligent, very rational person. Mm -hmm. So let's start with the drug use and abuse because for years he couldn't stay sober for even a day or two. And then it became a day or two or three and he'd compartmentalize and pretend he'd forgotten how he abused. And mm -hmm. be super sweet and would act like he didn't remember with me personally. He would act like he didn't remember what he'd done to me even though I had lacerations and cuts, I mean, you can see some of them, but like lacerations and cuts, oh, what happened? <laughs> you don't remember? How do you not remember? Um, now, do I think there's video evidence? Um, yes, <clears throat> his own music videos. He has, without his victim's consent, been torturing them. I know what happened to Evan Rachel, and uh, I can't speak on more than that for obvious reasons. 
But the video where he's got Evan Rachel tied up and her mouth is bloodied and she's in a closet and I'm not going to say the video name because I don't want to give it views. But I know that that is real. I know that that was really him abusing her. I know the paraphilia of what he does during abuse. And I know that that was not faked. And Evan Rachel herself has said that she did not consent to that video. She did not know he was recording. And he absolutely put that out there. Um, That video is part of what prompted her to do the movie 13, actually. Oh, wow. Didn't yeah. Know that. So, so here, here's another question too. So, with the video being out there, there's also uh, I've also heard from other sources that a lot of his album art and album covers are also from his paraphilia as well. Mm, yep. Yes, they are. The aborted fetus on the cross that had to be taken down, um, which was the cover of, if I am remembering right, Antichrist Superstar, the original cover. Um, I have. Okay, so let me go back. When you live your life with an artist. You get a lot of things when they're in the concept phase. Um, I have the original version to the song 1996, where it's the same beat and the same music, but completely different lyrics, and it's sped up and slowed down in different spots. So sometimes I don't remember things the way the media release was because I don't pay attention to that. Um, for example, I can show you something that can hate me. It's actually right here. <laughs> I actually have his original demo CD that he submitted to Nothing Interscope. So I have a lot of things. Let me just flip through here. I have a lot of things that were definitely not actually released. Like this CD right here, which we'll have to edit out probably, but for you guys to see. Yeah. Um, because again, if anyone knows what was given to whom, who knows who has what. Um, but I have a lot of alternative versions. I started saying here somewhere. Um, it's actually a gold CD that's very clear, very see-through. Yeah, uh, it's a presser. There's the version of Antichrist Superstar I have, which looks nothing like the release. Yeah, that's the one that I actually, I actually had a copy of that one as well. Um, but I, I got that through a particular uh, person out of a uh, Fox Rocks in Louisville. This right here—that's his actual demos in my lunchbox. Oh, that's a presser. Yep, yep, that's, that's a presser. presser. This is the original demo that he submitted to Nothing Interscope. That's the one that's that's not supposed to be sold. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) I have a few of those as well. (laughs) Yeah, that's for review. (laughs) That is legit, ladies and gentlemen. That is a legit press. Those are the ones they send to the radio station so you can listen to them before they get aired. I've seen those before. Yes, indeed. I have a few insane clown posse ones. And it literally says right on there not to be redistributed, sold, or given. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, the case that came with it all says that too. And then when you listen to it every now and then in the CD, it says, This is a promotional copy for a radio station use only. Please do not copy this CD, and you literally can't copy it. You DJ Khaled! <laughs> DJ Khaled! DJ Khaled! DJ Noodles! Yeah, so, you know, like I said, I mean, t- to me, 
listening and, and and knowing you penny for for you know so so many years and and listening to your story like you know i to me i've never victim shamed anybody you know what i'm saying as far as as that goes and a lot of people are going around doing that and i mean what would be your exact words if you were to say something right now to the people out there who are completely oblivious and ignorant and taking up for or, or victim blaming or victim shaming what would you say to that I would say you guys are brainwashed, which is absolutely the basis of why someone like Marilyn Manson's persona works, because it's that capability to brainwash, and it's the, I'm going to tell you who I am so that you don't believe it and you think it's just art. And so you guys that don't believe he did these things, you are absolutely brainwashed, and God forbid this ever happened to you. You wouldn't even know what to do with yourself. Be grateful right. that those of us that have been through it are as strong as we are. Right. I, I've always I, said this. Yeah. Uh, I've always said this peep to, uh, to people. It's like, look, man, that's somebody's daughter. And what if that happened to your daughter? How would you take this? Yeah. Yeah, okay, I don't know because it wouldn't. And it's like, but it could. It does. But it it could. does happen. My mother thought, okay, so at 14 years old, I had a peer to peer counselor because I was a troubled kid. He gave me Manson's cassette on cassette tape, literally. And I looked at my mother. She didn't like the music, and she took the tape away. Said I could have it back when I was 16. And I said, that's okay, Mom, because someday he's going to love me. And my mom, to this day, would tell you that her blood ran cold, and she fully believed, as a prophecy, that that would literally be a thing that happened. By the way that I said it, and... He, for years, tried to keep me, you know, for the next couple of years until it really happened. She tried to keep me out of the places I was going. And I'll say this, at 14, 15, I did not look 14 or 15. No, I was definitely wearing clothes I shouldn't have. I was definitely, you guys have the picture of me at like 16, 17. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, being 14 or 15 wasn't much different. So, I was definitely not a drinker, not a drugger. But I, which is how I managed to get into places I shouldn't have been. Oh no, no thanks, I'm sober now. And, and I could get in any place I wanted with those words. Those are very adult words to come out of a child's mouth. No, no, I'm sober now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So nobody carded me. I breezed through in my mini skirts and my big boots and my big hair. And everybody thought that I was 19 or 20 when I was 14 or 15. I can't name the places I went, obviously, because I'm back in pinpoint, but I was definitely at every golf club and circle where I should not have been at those ages. Right. Now, here's here's something that uh, we can discuss, uh, you know, kind of on the edge. Um, we won't go into the semantics or the specifics of it, but... Um, this is this happens a lot in the music and movie, well, Hollywood industry. Uh how many NDAs have you had to sign? Okay, that's the other thing. Awesome. I'm glad you brought that up because I can't bring that up. But since you asked. But I can. <laughs> and I can answer, I just can't bring it up. Because speaking of NDAs, so <laughs> you say. So here's the thing. When you're dating someone on that level, if you go to a premiere, there's an NDA before you even do your makeup to get in that car. Especially if you're around other celebrities. If you, I don't know, um, 
what's another example? If you, um, if you do anything on a big scale with this person, if they ask you to move in, your full rental agreement is clouded by an NDA. Like our first place together, I'm not even allowed to acknowledge where the place was or that we lived together. Like, I mean, I know I just did, but whatever. Right. Obviously, that's public knowledge coming out now. Mm-hmm. But doctor's appointments, um, you think HIPAA law is serious? NDAs literally mean that I could not go to somebody and say, hey, I'm ready to do this interview. You guys had to come to me and say, hey, will you do this? Will you speak on this? Because I'm not allowed to bring it up. I'm literally not allowed. And when it came to the book I wrote, he made me write it as true fiction, and he said he had to approve the entire book, chapter by chapter, subject to change at any time. Any time. That means it could be already out in print, and he could be like, you know what, now with everything going on, we're yanking that from the shelf. Right. And he can go, here's my agreement with her, any time it says. And then, he'd have the right to take my royalties, too. So, my whole life has been one long saga of knowing who I am and where I came from, but not being allowed to prove it. When I when I worked for other artists, I was not allowed to say, so I have a really good well-versed background and I can definitely work with you guys if I could tolerate this guy. Nope, there's a gag order on that. So I had to be out here in the world trying to make my own name without being able to say that I ever worked for him, dated him, lived with him, was friends with him, and, and and I was literally his PR assistant for a while. I was helping wow. out a lot of his PR assistant got sick of him. He, um, if you remember in Dead to the World, he hit the microphone stand. Yeah. And and was like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah, I'll fuck him up. Well, obviously, when that kind of tension is going on, someone else was helping out. Who do you think was helping out? Not someone else from PR management. Me. Who do you think was helping him run? Me. But can I put that shit on a resume? No. And you'll probably have to blur out the names, obviously, but, um, who do you think was helping him do that stuff? Right. He didn't do that on his own. My 19th birthday, I got handed a record label. I've never done that in my life. But I can't put that on a resume to try to work for another label. And he said if I ever tried to work for another label, he would make sure he knew about it and he would shut that down. Right. Now, I know. And he will tell me that I made you, I can take you away. Right. Now, I know for a fact that you've worked for other labels. Is this commonplace in other labels as well? Not to that level. Okay. I will say this. Most labels will tell you that in your resume, you cannot discuss the goings on, the day-to-day, anything that could be considered label spying. You know, so if you go, okay, so-and-so's merch line runs like this, when you get to another label, no. That's a big no-no. But to be able to say that I'm not even allowed to say I worked for him, that's not even legal. But he's Marilyn Manson with the lawyers behind it to make it so. Right. So as as being... Right. As being a survivor, you know, this puts a hamper on literally you've had nothing but indentured servitude to this man. You're in the majority of your adult life. Actually, all of your adult life. Whereas when it comes to. And I'll say this because she's worked in many clubs over the years. Mm -hmm. Um, In one of the clubs she worked at, 
I was actually working at the club first. Here she comes in. She gets everything. She gets this golden carousel as far as the outside world's concerned looking in. And here I am, the girl who started it. And I'm working with no name behind me, trying to build my own career up. And here's with everything. Now, I will say this. I can comment on their marriage. And the reality is she was not someone that was going to be controlled by him. And she always knew she could make her own way too. Mm -hmm. and, and I can say that much, and, and I can say that I do not think, I don't know much about that situation. I definitely heard conversations between them, and she was not going to take his abuse. And at the time, I was on the phone with him, and I saw it as she was being abusive to him. But I know now that the reality is, is he had been abusive, tried to make her stay in the house, and she was not about that life. So she was fighting back. So I can't speak whether she did or didn't truly go through the things that the rest of us did. Mm -hmm. But I mm -hmm. don't think she went to those things on the level that the rest of us did. Right. Now, here's another question, too, in protecting his image and being his wife, because we all know that wives cannot testify against their own husbands. They can't be subpoenaed okay. in court. She has a prenuptial agreement with him mm -hmm. that their prenup is so fucking serious that can't comment on anything from the time they were married. Yes. He's not even allowed to, you notice she has stayed mom through this whole thing. She is mm -hmm. not allowed to discuss anything. And, right. and in return, he amicably divorced her. And I believe there was a stipend involved monthly, but I can't really discuss that. That's just my personal feeling. So that's, that's nothing I know to be concrete if you catch my draft. No, I, right. I completely understand. But whenever he moved on from partner to partner to partner, how was there a, the, the next partner's attitude towards you any different? Did, or was it, you know? Yeah, and you know what's very weird? Is he would start with the next partner um, as a friend. For example, Evan Rachel Wood. He and I were still technically together on one of our reconciliations when he started hanging out with her. And if you really do the math on it, I believe that at the time they started hanging out, she was 14 or 15. Even different news sources are giving different ages for when they started dating. Some say 20 or 21, some say 19, some say 18, and some say 17. I honestly don't know the real because people in Hollywood, um, based on their ages. ages and birthdays are changed all the time. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah, like like Carlos Mencia is not Mexican. <laughs> He's actually German. Birthday was changed at one of the labels I worked at because they wanted me to appeal to a certain age group. So, mm -hmm. I mean, you can't really go by that, but I believe her to have been fourteen and fifteen. Yeah, I, I've heard. I, I've read other reports from other sources that uh, they were on the set of a TV show or a movie when they actually met. It was the movie 13, I believe, actually. Mm. Or no, no, not 13. It was the one she did before that. 13 she did because of the other video. Mm -hmm. um, I forget, but but I know that you're right. And I for, Was it Across the Universe, maybe? Was that before 13? 
I believe so. I'd have to Google that to be honest. But uh, like I said, I know it was either on the set of a television show or a set of a uh, of a movie that you know where it all started. And you know, don't don't quote me on it. It's just something that I've read. And you know, out there, it, there's going to be a lot of stuff. But you know, I'm just kind of glad that you came forward now with this, Penny, than having to come out. You know, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks from now, when all these other people these other victims these other survivors are going to start coming forward too and it's just going to kind of frustrate everything well you asked me like two or three days ago when it was first breaking oh my god what's your thoughts on this and when i told you and you were like well do you want to you know tell your story and i was like absolutely i I was jumping at the chance you know to be able to talk And, and the good news is now me doing this interview nobody else is allowed to ask me i was allowed to grant one interview with speculations and stipulations, so nobody is allowed to ask me, even if they figure out who I am. Right, and and you know us go, you know me and, and Sinister going over the long list of things that was written. It was like, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll avoid this, we'll avoid that, uh, you know, just because we, you know, we want to protect you, and of course we want to protect ourselves. You know, well, from, I don't think that's every one thing we're talking about. There's ten things that are on my NDA list, so right. know this: just what you're hearing isn't even the tip of the iceberg. That's another thing I'd say to the brainwashed folks out there. For everything you hear, there's 10 things covered under a five-page NDA that we can't talk about. Right. And all of us. Right, and so, the, the the thing I'm going to see is with the FBI getting involved, they can overturn those NDAs. Um, I'm not sure on that. Uh, if they want to RICO him, they could mm-hmm. definitely bring me in to see if I was the first, which I know I was, and if there was the law of similar transactions regarding um, transcending paraphilias or um, accelerating paraphilias. So the law of similar transactions is basically when, when Evan Rachel Wood is found to be honest and he is in trouble, because I guarantee you she's being honest, we're just going to put that out there. Mm-hmm. So when Evan Rachel Wood's story comes to light, that yes, she has told the 100% truth. Here is the proof. I know she still has her old laptops, her old phones, and I can't speak much on that because that's not my story. But when it is found that Evan Rachel Wood is 100% telling the truth, then the FBI is allowed to say, okay, well, where did this start? And let's see if the law of similar transactions, meaning did he do this to other people that we can bring into the case? That's So like say someone's known for writing bad checks. They get away with a million dollars in bad checks. Then the person investigating, the detectives, will go back and say, well, when did he write the first bad check? What group was involved with him then? And so then they can say, okay, this person has a, has the law of similar transactions, meaning they've done this before, in accelerating pattern, meaning it's gotten worse and worse. The first time they got away with $50, the second time they got away with 150 now they've gotten away with a million, but guess what? These other two cases in the beginning, those are now relevant. We're tacking them on, you know, basically regoing. Yeah, similar to like... That's why uh, I said the MO, that whole MO aspect of this. Mm-hmm. He he had an MO, and it shows, it, it's proven that he had a way that he did things. Um, that That's crazy. I, I have a question for you, Penny. Um, question for you is, how did you break that 
control, that hold, because you seem like you're away from that now. Like you can seem like you can talk about this. And how did you break that grip? How did you let him know that, you know, you're not going to be there for him? In that Honestly, way anymore. Um, it took me meeting my current partner. Um, we've been together since 2015. And I knew my current partner was not going to put up with his bullshit the way previous partners had. Mm-hmm. My current partner actually did step to him in a phone call once. Nice. And said, listen, we're not doing this anymore. Um, Penny is not available for your bullshit anymore. Nice. Um, if you want to be here as a friend, and if you want to, um, how do I word this? Because it's a very, there's aspects of the case that I obviously can't discuss. Mm-hmm. So partner said, if you want to be around for certain aspects of the case that cannot be discussed, you're more than welcome to be around for those aspects. On these terms, this is what we're doing. We're not having this. We're not having the push me pull you. And Penny is not available for that anymore. And he's told me that because she knows you are a weakness, that she will not necessarily stand up to you. And it was funny because after my partner did that, I had no problem. I was like, this is my forever person. This is the person that's not going to let me. You know, and again, some things are composites in my case, too, because I'm protecting the identity of those around me as well. Exactly. And and that's the whole the the whole the whole thing is, you know, like it's not just like I'm I'm done protecting the the artists anymore. And I've dealt with this with certain other bands that shall not be mentioned. But you know who I'm talking about. Uh Mm -hmm. Certain bands from um, that are also as guilty as Manson is with their inhibitions, if you will. So, you know, listening to the stuff that I've heard over the years and, and talking to some of the survivors uh, from, you know, uh, a, a certain manager uh, who liked to travel across uh, country to Canada and pick up, pick up minors uh, and then wound up getting fired from the label because of it. And then they scooted it under the rug, you know, like, oh, no, he just wasn't just doing his job. Well, I think what people fail to see is all this bullshit. Run rampant, runs rampant in the music industry because once someone is given all that money, all that power, they abuse it. Everybody yeah. It's why didn't make it big. Because all of a sudden, lead singer's on drugs, he can't be found. Um, label folds because I'd had enough. You know, Manson had had enough. I'd had enough of Manson and chasing them all down. I was a Manson Wrangler for years. Half the time that the label couldn't find him, they'd call me. Is he with you, Penny? No, no, he's not. But even if he were, you know I couldn't tell you if he were standing right here, right? Like, and half the time he was with me and half the time he wasn't. And I'd be like, how do you lose 150 pounds of dope dope rock star? When you're calling me a regular everyday person to try to find your rock star, tell you what, people ask me what my favorite goddamn horror movie is. You know what I tell them? Get him to the Greek.
Wow, y'all don't even know. Wow. <laughs> We're actually coming up on an hour. This was probably one of the fastest interviews that I've ever freaking done. Again, we are talking to Penny Lane. She's a Marilyn Manson survivor. And as we said, we've got her voice and her video covered to protect her. Um, as this case is, so Because this, this case is, is blowing up, like I said, before we began this show. Uh, West Borland came out three days ago. Trent Reznor, two hours before we, you know, started this show. And I can tell you right now, just because of who he was, this isn't ending anytime soon. This is this is coming out, and um, it's well, going to keep here's going. What's very telling to me, if I can interrupt, Manson himself has not reached out to me. I can say that with one hundred percent certainty. His PR team has scrambled, asked me what I'm doing. We've had other instances like that in the past. A few years back when the gun prop fell on him, I had spoken to him um, with his head injury. He didn't remember me. He said, Penny, oh, I knew a Penny once. He was awesome. He was all messed up. I was talking to a family member, and I said, oh, my God, Manson's in such bad shape. I don't know if he's going to live. Family member said, well, that's funny, because his team released a statement that he was released from the hospital right after it happened. I said, oh, my God, I got to go. I don't know why they'd be lying to me. Maybe it's more serious. Maybe they're going to throw in a lookalike because they've definitely done that with him when he's too fucked up. She didn't hear that from me. And uh, <laughs> so, they, um, so it used to be his cousin who has since passed. Um, but um, so I said, I got to go. I need to figure out what's going on. In At this point, 20 plus years, they've never lied to me. Let me find out. I'll get back to you. And, and I forgot to get back to the family member. And three days later, I got a text. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. Of course, I should have believed you. You've always had the scoop before everybody else does. I can't believe I was so stupid. I'm really sorry that I doubted you. And, and I said, why? What's going on? And the person said, well, they've just released an official statement that he's had to have, you know, steel plates and rods put in. And that he's in critical condition. And I'm so sorry I didn't believe you. Are you going out there? Are you going to sit by him? And by this point, I was with my partner already. And I said, honestly, I don't know. It will have to depend on the partner's feelings. And it will have to depend on the attitude that's presented to me if I'm asked to go out there. And um, in the end, we decided it wasn't good for his recovery with him not having remembered me, you know, for me to go out there and to sit with him. Um, we thought that that would be detrimental to his recovery. And he was getting sober off drugs. And then, of course, what do they do when you have an injury like that? Anybody? They pump you full of drugs. Full of drugs, yep. So then you've got the incident where they've, they've started wheeling him out on stage, strapped to that big gurney thing. His pants fall down because he gets up off it because he's all doped up. If you look at it, it's actually tragic. So here's the thing. His abuse fed into the record label, and their abuse fed into him. He has always been a show pony. I have always pitied him. I have seen him in no condition to be on stage, and they will do things like truss him up in that big contraption, wheel him out there, and mic him up. He was in no shape to perform four days after that surgery. No shape. And then you wonder why, a couple weeks later, he's able to get out of the contraption and walk, so he does, and his pants fall down because he's too doped up to pull them up, 
and security, and, and I think the video's off YouTube, but I sent it to Rick before. Mm-hmm. And he comes out, and they have to pull his pants off. And I literally yelled at him. I said, in the, early, in the late 90s and early 2000s, you were a goddamn revolution in a box. And now you're so doped up, you're out on that fucking stage, you can't even pull your goddamn pants off. I would go so far as to say that now the rebellion is wearing you, and it's the equivalent of a goddamn Walmart uniform. Fix your shit, my dude. Right. I remember seeing the video myself, and he's sitting there threatening to fire his security guards for not pulling his pants up. And now it's gone off YouTube. You can't find it. Yeah. Uh-huh. I remember seeing that video. Mm. I, I, I downloaded it um, because I have a downloader app because I do that on purpose. And, and I'm not going to lie. I'm not innocent. There's been times when he has pissed me off to the level, especially in later years, where I'll be like, remember this? Time to shut your whore mouth and leave me alone, isn't it? Like, because that's the thing. I don't take his shit anymore. And he hates that, but it's also the thing that keeps him coming back to me. Right. You, so, you took that power away. Yeah. Exactly. And then they want to test you to see yeah. if they got a little bit of that power back. Hey, we're at the hour mark. Quick interview. Um, is there anything you want to say to anybody out there? Um, that might be hearing this story, but in the same situation as, that you were in. Okay, so the important part is, first of all, for all the people out there that don't believe the victims, remember, you know the glossed up, dressed up, made up persona that the label and the PR team wants you to know. If you do not know a person in their day-to-day life, and sometimes even if you do, people always slide one under. But if you do not know a celebrity, personally, in their day-to-day life, to see what goes on and what their team covers, because that's the real measure of who a person is, how good their PR team is to cover this stuff. And when a PR team can't keep something under wraps, you know something serious has happened. Believe the victims every time. I understand it's come out Amber Heard was a liar. We don't judge cases altogether lump sum like that. There was still abuse going on, wasn't there? It just wasn't the way it was portrayed. So there was still abuse in that Hollywood couple. It was just reversed from what you were led to believe. So first and foremost, unless you know the particular celebrity in person, do not victim blame. For anyone out there that's going through this or that's been through this, my heart is with you 100%. And I'm sorry that you've lived through it because as funny as some of my moments are, the reality is the terror I felt back then was nothing like the confident person that you see today. I have had to build that. And you can build it too. Don't let someone tear you down. Don't let someone isolate you. Listen to your friends when they tell you that they see red flags. And believe a person when they fucking tell you who they are and show you who they are. Fucking believe it and run. Please. She said, run, take that. Run. That's, that's, you can't get any more basic than that. Run. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Don't, crazy. don't let my story be yours. You can save yourself. You can do this. I had to leave with nothing. I had to live in homeless shelters. I had to build up to the person that you hear talking today. You can do it too. It's mm. powerful. Yeah, there's not much I can add and say to that. I think that's that's one of the best. Yeah, I think that's the best note to even 
I think just to end it on because we want we want to go out with people memorizing something that can help them and speaks to everybody. So I I think that's you can't get any better than that as no, far not as a message. Yeah. No. And I I really appreciate you for hitting us up and coming on this show Penny. I just when when Rick hit me up and it was funny because I saw we have this little group chat for for something else and um when I saw you posting in the chat, part of me was like, damn, she's really emotional about this story. And I was like, there's something different about this. Cause I, I've heard people talk about stuff and, and get into stories, but I said, there's something different. And then when Rick hit me up and called me, I was like, Rick, I said, I kind of felt something was up. I says, cause the way you was talking in the chat, I said, there's something there. And Rick, when Rick told me, he was like, damn, he's like, you you figured it out. I was like, look, <laughs> I paid attention to everything she was saying in the chat. I'm not... Well, like, like I said, I'm not here to play games. Yeah, and you've worked with people long enough that you can tell who's genuine and who has a real story versus what's... That's another key piece in the industry is we all go by word of mouth. We don't believe what we read on the internet. We don't believe what people say to us. It's what's co- collaborated and corroborated by different people's stories. Oh, and and it, the funny thing is, is I had this conversation with my artist Vienna Marie. Um, we talked about this. The the big difference about why these stories are big and why they blow up today, and why we really didn't hear much about them years ago. The reason why we're seeing a lot of these stories today is because, unfortunately, the friggin' story sells and people are willing to pay. For it. TMZ pays a ton of money for information like this and stories like this. Well, and, and then if I can interject, mm-hmm. you've got the issue of back in 95, 96, you either slept with a minor or you didn't. Terms like grooming did not exist. Right. I was also kept very under wraps. I wasn't allowed to have photographs because he said, yeah, right. No one's going to believe I'm not banging you, Penny. No one's going to believe that. And the reality is, he was right. It was rampant back then. No one questioned it. And my right hand, you know, to God and everybody I've lost, he did not sleep with me until I was of age. Um, he was definitely grooming. There was definitely signs of what would happen ahead to me. Um, key family members that aren't around anymore saw it. But he, he just wasn't trust. sleeping with me. Right. Yeah. He built your trust. He built Absolutely. your trust by making you believe that he was keeping you sacred until that time when really it was a power move. At the end of the day, that was just a, a crazy-ass power move, and it worked for him. And he was not only grooming me to be, you know, sacred and trust him, but he was also grooming me to be his partner in crime. And, and there's a lot to that. But basically, when people idolize Joker and Harley Quinn, I've lived that life. Stop it, it ain't cute. Hmm. And that's literally what I went through. I've heard you make that statement before. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard you make that statement before. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's true. Be a Gomez. Be, be a Morticia. Do not idolize Joker and Harley. It is not cute. It hurts when you're laying in bed and you want that person to call and you think it's romanticized and pretty and then they come back with a sledgehammer to your head, you know, in cartoon terms. Not cute. Cut it out. Looking at you, ladies. Cut it out. You want a Gomez, not a Joker. Mm. <laughs> I think we just end on that note. Woo! Yes, Good stuff, absolutely. Penny. Penny, thank you for coming on this show. It's a special edition of the booth. Um, I got to thank you for putting everything out there, being straightforward with me and Rick. 
Uh, Rick, man, it's been good stuff. Always. And- I appreciate you guys having me and letting me get my story out. It's been 25 plus years of hell for me. Yeah, and like I said, it doesn't look like it's ending. Like I said, everybody's coming out the woodwork now on that alternative music side. Uh, it's And I can tell you one thing's for sure. He won't be on the new Matrix soundtrack because he's been on every Matrix soundtrack. He won't be on this one. So he's going to be canceled from that. <laughs> and by all means, support the other artists he's worked with. Support Peru with his, you know, what is it, 25 Years in Hell book, which is Pictures of Manson, but you're supporting Peru. You know, or Peru. Um, support Neil Strauss. Go, go find other avenues to support so that you're still feeding your Manson... I guess addiction in a way, without letting him profit. And you know, it's what it is. Feed those other artists, find new things to like, and explore. You've got you've got a whole computer at your fingertips. Find other avenues. Absolutely. Right. Nice. Rick, anything you want to say before we head out of here? Man, I'm I'm good. Like this is one of the fir- very few times you'll have me not have a word to say at this point. I'm good. Yeah, like I said, I think what you closed out with is just the best way to end this one. So, hey, everybody, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to this special edition of The Booth here on Hoobazoo.com and HatchetRadio.com. Uh, this is a Sinister One Productions event. It's great stuff. Again, I have to thank Penny Lane for coming on here. Um, and your partner, look, before we get out of here, I do have to say props to your partner, for being that guy to yep. finally stand up and build you up to get you away from somebody like that. Because, to be honest, he could have been just like every other person and said, I'm not standing up to this dude. He's bigger than me. And he he, he brought him down. So I'm pretty sure when that happened for you, um, that, that really sent the message to him also. It changed the whole course of my entire existence. I'm I can't sure anyone else at this point. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it did. And I'm pretty sure it changed his mind a little bit, too, because, uh, you know, when you got somebody that's going to be your ride or die, you know, mm-hmm. that's when somebody realizes, oh, man, I lost my ride. This isn't going to happen anymore. There is no die here. It's only ride or ride some more. And it's like, I got so sick of the years with other people going, well, what's he like to sleep with? How big is he? What's this? What's that? All kinds of disgusting questions. People acting like I'm in the wrong because I have this relationship and now I have this person that's never going to do that. And anyone out there can have that. They just have to say no when they see red flags and do the right thing. Anyone oh, oh, can right. have the flags. <laughs> nice, yep. nice. Great stuff. All right, everybody. We're going to get out of here. Take care. See you guys in a few weeks. Uh, and I'm going to let SpongeBob take us home. Peace. Well, see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to The Booth on Hoobazoo and HatcherRadio.com. Please follow the Facebook page and subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. The Booth is a Sinister One production hosted by Sinister One. I've got to start hanging out with friends that are a little more intelligent and understand politics instead. It's just that I'm up on this level up here and all my friends are down here. Me, meow. You guys, meow. Maybe a little more down, down in here. Screw you guys, I'm going home. I smoke, I drink, I do my thing. These bitches hating, so you know I got to make it plain. Don't do cocaine with your chick 
my main We stick together, true forever, yeah, you know we bang I miss those days, which was easy If only I made it, on repeat Now that I done upgraded, I've been upstate But y'all think I'm playing And I got a hit now for these weak-ass hoes who think I ain't slaying Try me, try me, and I'll probably end up laughing Cause I never back down I'm that chick with a clean-ass whip I don't need that shit, I got my own now I get hurt, I get tired of fussing, fighting, guess I gotta crack down Don't mess with me, cause on everything, I'ma have to bring the whole city out W-H-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O, that's who is it, I come W-H-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O, that's who is it, I come